0: a long time ago, the galaxy far, far away. Girl, everyone knows that story. Hello, I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Amanda. And welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast. The
0: Star Wars fan cast, where we take a deep dive at feminist look the female characters,
1: creators, and contributors to the Star Wars universe.
0: Uh, hello, I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Amanda. And
0: welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast. We have a great episode for you today. I just want to name again that Amanda is officially our co-host. Woo-hoo. Uh, and she and I have been talking about what we're going to be doing for the Ahsoka now that the Ahsoka show has ended and what direction we're going to take the podcast in. So, um, this episode and all following episodes, we're going to be developing more structure and segments and things. So, please subscribe, like, and leave constructive feedback in the coming weeks. And we hope better. To, yeah, help us get, help us be the best that we can be. Uh, mm-hmm. And
1: we look forward to hearing from you,
0: uh, Amanda. What kind of plans do you have for our podcast, girl?
1: You know, wild, crazy celebrations. Yeah, you know, I, I think the what I'm really hoping to get out of this podcast are some really great talks about feminism and how the patriarch in the Star Wars universe. And I'm really looking forward to where uh, all of the philosophical topics that we can, you know, really um, talk about very simply and relate to the star wars universe okay what is your current 60 second
0: non-star wars obsession
1: give me a second no worries take your time oh i'm ready okay my current non-star wars obsession is the new season of loki L-O-K-I. I I am not a Marvel person. I've seen the movies. You know, I did a binge watch during the pandemic so I could, you know, have conversation pieces. And I know, it was good. It wasn't bad, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And when Loki came out, I had like no expectations. Like this show's not gonna be that great because there were some other Disney Plus series that had come out that are really boring. And I'm not gonna get into that. But anyways, Loki came out and it's about the time-space continuum and all these things that, these constructs that were super interesting. And it took me on this wild journey. So season two just came out yesterday. If you haven't seen it, it's streaming on Disney+. Plus. It is incredible. Have you seen it yet, Sarah? I haven't. I- Have fun. It was made by the creators, the writers and directors of this first episode. It was directed by uh, the guys from Everything Everywhere All at Once.
0: I love so- those
1: guys. Yes. They, they made a joke about when they wanted uh, the Academy and they said, you know, don't hate us for selling out and working for Disney Plus. I needed insurance, you know. <laughs> this show is so good. And what makes it almost the cherry on top was Ki Kwan is in it. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh.
0: I'm so excited for this.
1: Yeah. Just stand by to be super excited. So yeah, I, yeah that is my, Loki is my new non-Star Wars obsession. I'm so excited that it's out. It's on Thursday nights at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. What about you, Sarah? What is your current non Star Wars obsession? I got on the elemental
0: bandwagon.
1: You did? I Love did. Them.
0: Thank you. So, uh, for folks who aren't familiar, uh, I think the very first episode that Amanda was on, I asked her what her current 60 second Star Wars, non Star Wars obsession was. And she said elemental. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. So, yeah. she generously purchased the movie <laughs> for me on iTunes. <laughs> And I watched it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So good. And then shortly after, it became available on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So like every date night, I was like, mm-hmm. we got to watch Elemental. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fall asleep listening to the soundtrack. I so also good. worked to the soundtrack so by good. Thomas Newman. It's incredible. Yeah. So thank you very much,
1: Amanda, for that new obsession. You're welcome. And for those who don't know, Elemental is a Pixar animated romantic comedy
0: yes and it is actually like a pg i think it has a pg rating or pg 13
1: and pixar doesn't play around they do
0: not fuck around they don't like,
1: they don't play around like coco i coco depleted oh me gosh. i was devastated i was so grateful that i watched that by myself because i was a puddle of tears i was broken
0: i haven't watched coco since my grandmother's passed so oh i have a, i have a feeling that if, when i watch it again that's gonna yeah but even even before they passed just watching it it punched me in the feels so hard. Oh, I was down for like a week. Yeah, and so and it's a children's movie. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of whimsical elements to it, which I could see mm-hmm. Elemental also having <clears throat> to mm-hmm. keep it like
1: accessible to kids. Uh, okay, right. okay. The tea on Tatooine. The tea this on week Tatooine in Star Wars news. Yes. So uh, Sarah has a huge announcement. <laughs>
0: We actually now have some merch. Merchandise. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. That is will be available on Redbubble. We are going to go ahead and post the link in today's show notes. Uh, go ahead and if you want to, buy a coffee mug, a sticker, a postcard. We got shirts in different sizes, different styles. Mm-hmm. And my personal favorite, the hoodie, because I'm all about that hoodie life. I got to move somewhere colder. You are about the hoodie life. I am. Amanda got me this amazing Love is Universal Uh, hoodie a few years ago for my birthday, and it's like the uh, the pride colors. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a nice sweatshirt. And I was like, Uh anyways, the birthday passed, but I did want to give a birthday shout out to Delilah S. Dawson. Delilah S. Dawson is one of the female authors of Star Wars books. She has written The Fantastic Phasma as well as Rise of the Red Blade, was just released. The book Phasma, I will be unpacking with Blake Hamilton in a couple of weeks. Yes. So we're going to be unpacking that book and the story of Captain Phasma. Yeah, so happy birthday,
1: Delilah. Happy birthday, and Delilah.
0: That's, that's all Del- I got. Me. So that's the tea on Tatooine. <laughs> okay, now we're at the Instagram Live sponsor.
1: Thank you to those of you who joined <laughs> us. Shout out and thank you to Will for the lighting ring and making me look like my best self. You looked incredible. Best.
0: Yes. Thank you, Will, for helping make your wife's beauty really shine. Thank you, Uh, Sarah. And and thank you. And shout out uh, to Will again for reminding us not to give away any spoilers. Sorry, y'all. I totally did that. And I've pocketed that feedback for next time. And Will will be getting more involved in our podcast. um, So keep an ear out for that in the coming weeks. It involves – I don't know if you've heard of this website. It's called YouTube. Have you heard of it? Oh,
1: yeah. I I recall it from some people, but you know
0: I, I I don't know I might be too old for the YouTubes like I'm too old for the
1: TikToks I'm not I've never been on TikTok I <gasps> oh. just felt so old you know what I mean like we're in yes. an age where I was in MySpace and I was reluctant to get on Facebook and I think I got on there in 2007 and and I, I never got on Twitter yeah. it's like I'm finally understanding when people look at something and they're like yeah I don't want to learn that
0: yes. I had that same feeling with TikTok. I was like, I don't want to learn this. I don't care. No, I, this no. is fine. Young people can have this.
1: But my yeah. sisters
0: are really into it. And they are technically
1: younger than me, but not by much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> so we're, we're going to start a YouTube channel. We're going to have video um, content. Some of it will feature mine and Amanda's faces. Some of it will
0: just be outtakes and things that we talked about put together with pictures and fun little videos. Um... You may recall, Amanda has mentioned that Will studied film at USC, and so he brings a lot of like really valuable skills yeah. to the podcast. So I'm really excited to work with him and see what mm-hmm. he cooks up for us. Uh- and we'll have him join us on the podcast from time to time to talk about
1: his yeah he constantly we watch these episodes together he'll point out you know they're wearing green and what that means and um the symbology behind their behavior or actions or what they're physically doing there's a lot of symbolism behind that in cinema so he kind of explains that to me which is really cool yeah it's always fun
0: and uh, i'd also like to start talking to him about how the symbolism relates to patriarchy or gender uh, expectations or feminism or theories of feminism Mm -hmm. and intersectionality and things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I think it could be some really rich discussion. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's move into the meat and potatoes of today.
1: Oh, oh my God. The Ahsoka finale. So good. The Ahsoka finale. It's
0: written by Dave Filoni and directed by Rick Fumiyama, who has done a lot of things in the Star Wars universe, uh, mostly in the animation. The Mandalorian. I think he he did the Mando. I know that he's done a lot of like animation. I didn't really look up his IMDb Mm because, you know, I'll do that for the women, but not for the Mm -hmm. men. That's my internalized misandry. You you don't have to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I will elevate the women. People are almost always interested in the men before women. So
1: that's true. They got their.
0: Yeah, they're fine. Um, Okay. So, yes, this episode. So. Good. Well,
1: let's talk about how it started, mm-hmm. and then we can just go into it. So, uh, prepare for the worst. Hera tells them, how real is the threat of Thrawn? We know there's going to be dark magic. The music, the music, the drumming, the music. the music, this episode gave me goosebumps. It was incredible. So, you have the sinister drumming, the parked ship, the loading transfer, the Eye of Scion, the alliance between the sisters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that's going into this episode at the beginning.
0: Yes, they're preparing for the departure, Potential. and then, um, we see Thrawn give the order to destroy. He dispatches two tie fighters to go destroy them, and then he tells Morgan, um, he warns her about not underestimating the Jedi. Right. And he says, "Even I fell victim to the heroics of a single Jedi, yeah, yeah. meaning Anakin. Never again." Yeah. And then Morgan is given the gift of shadows, which kind of appears to be a sort of baptism ritual.
1: Oh, that was so creepy,
0: so creepy, and so cool. And I was wondering if so, the designs on the the Night Sister's faces—it looks like it's burned in almost, and that's mm-hmm. how they get their tattoos. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but uh, the. Mm, Mother Lexis, she uh, has markings very similar to that of Mother Taliesin. So I'm wondering if there's a lineage connection there. Mm-hmm. But I but I don't know. After seeing that, I was wondering, do those tattoos happen at that ritual? Mm-hmm. Or are they indicative of a lineage? Or are you becoming your own mother and you get to like, mark
1: others with the markings on your face? I don't know. It was interesting. It was done before, right? In the, the it was the Clone Wars or Rebels. They performed it, but yet she was elevated. No, that was a different ritual. Okay. She wasn't giving the gift of shadows in
0: that one. That was Asajj Ventress. She was yep. being um, essentially healed.
1: Okay. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. Well, I saw So I saw the sisters putting hands on Morgan, and mm-hmm. I immediately thought, "Is she going to die? What are they doing to her? What are they going to gift her?" And then I thought, is, "Are they a cult?" So then I had to look, pause, and look up. What is the definition of a cult? A system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. I don't know if the sisters were a cult, but I wanted to understand more of the loyalty issue. And I don't. We haven't talked about it on this episode, on this whole podcast yet. But a, you know, Morgan communicated with the sisters I think through astral projection Mm -hmm. I mean there's some sort of uh, hint that that's how she brought Thrawn and everyone to the the planet was because of the the sisters I don't know do you know anything about that so
0: um a little bit let me let me talk about it and then let me share a theory that I have okay so Thrawn rolls up um Incredible. and he and we hear Ezra say that he woke up is he woke up the mothers Thrawn's ultimate aim was to get out of exile and he knew that to do that he would need force wielders so he mm-hmm. woke up the great mothers mm-hmm. in order to contact mm-hmm. either people who were dark force wielders or the few survivors of the Dathomir Thrawn knew that Morgan existed because Morgan helped to build up the Imperial Navy which Thrawn was a part of so Thrawn woke up the Night Sisters intentionally to contact Morgan through dreams, astral projections, meditations. We see this with the Jedi all the time. Mm-hmm. And Morgan knew that if she went and retrieved Thrawn, Thrawn would help bring a return of the Night Sisters by transporting all of those coffins to the planet of mm-hmm. Dathomir. Mm-hmm. And my thought is is that the great mothers just the 3 of them alone whatever force was available on the planet wasn't enough to resurrect all of those sisters they weren't strong enough Mm -hmm. so they migrated to dathomir which mother Mm -hmm. talzin had already done so they migrate to dathomir where they know that they will have the power to raise up whoever is in those coffins and then i'm wondering if with that collective power that they all of those witches and all of those mothers then raise all those who are entombed on Dathomir. I'm very intentionally saying entombed and not killed because the Dathomirian witches had these really intensive burial rituals that you learn a little bit about in this book called The Dark Disciple, which is about Asajj Ventress and Quailan Boss. Um, It turns out that that is actually a pretty legitimate theory because, and I got to thank my bae, Mr. Austin, for this one, I didn't know this, but there's this game called Jedi outcast. And that's literally how the game ends is you end up on Dathomir fighting a bunch of resurrected witches who like, I was like, I didn't even know that that game existed. And so that's, that's kind of what I think is going to be happening. That, but as, so Morgan had a vested interest
1: mm-hmm.
0: in finding Thrawn of the great mothers
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it was is rewarded. She is her desire to find them and return them has nothing to do with the empire, and the empire's glory, because she says very clearly when he says for the empire, and she turns her back and she says for death, Amir. that's where her loyalty is. And just the intense amount of loyalty that all of these characters have towards their different objectives. Right. And you see that even in the end credits of all yeah. the separate lines mm-hmm. going towards um, the planet. And it's,
1: Everybody just sort of has their own agenda for why it is that they want to do things, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So she's transformed, and then she's given the blade of Talzin. Mm-hmm. That was incredible to see. Yes, and, you know, and I, you know, when I, when I first saw a sword, I was like, well, "What's that going to do against a lightsaber?" But that's part of its power, right, Sarah? That is correct you know about the blade of Talzin. Yes, the blade of Talzin was forged by Mother Talzin
0: and used in a battle against Mace Windu, and it is resistant to lightsabers.
1: There's a little Easter egg in there. My little Easter egg. You have another Easter egg about that.
0: I know the the other Easter egg I have is from my is from my other bay, Mister Hamilton. Hey Blake, how are you? And he shared with me that the night mother lake uh is who is the night mother who has the similar markings to Mother Talzin. Mm-hmm. Um, she's portrayed by the actress Jane Edwina Seymour, who also mm-hmm. played the Borg Queen in season three of Star Trek Picard okay resistance is futile
1: so that was cool um I'm- and so the title comes up the jedi the witch and the warlord <laughs> i thought of narnia when it came up the line the witch in the wardrobe mm-hmm. but the jedi the jedi could be plural the witch is to me morgan and the warlord is Thrawn. Oh. and so we have a, the uh ahsoka and the nodi are on the move and ezra and hewing are building a lightsaber um and you get it. You hear a comment about you know his age, and so it's still like no, you get you understand that no one knows about Huyang's age. So when we found out he was twenty five thousand years old in one of the last episodes, that was a big revelation, right? Um, he Huyang talks about the challenges, the relationship between the Jedi master and apprentice. It's challenging as it is meaningful, and that could mean. You know, he's talking to Ezra. It could be his relationship while Sabine is lurking and listening, and he could be meaning her relationship with Ahsoka. And he's looking for a part. There's a comment about the lightsaber being narrow, and that has something to do with the Clone Wars, right, Sarah? I think that has to do
0: with just the way that Kanan built his saber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's
1: why he gave him the the hilt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That matches what Kanan Jarrus had. Because he said he had two and he gave one to him and he was keeping the second one. Yeah. And he gives it to Ezra. Yeah. Which, where did he get a kyber crystal? Like, I don't... I mean, maybe they just we just are to assume that they're around and it wasn't that hard to find one. But he has a kyber crystal because he makes a lightsaber and he's successful.
0: I don't actually know. I'll have to check Mm -hmm. into that. Because it could be that he might have found a source of
1: kyber on the planet
0: Mm -hmm. and we just didn't have access to that. Or it is Mm -hmm. from whatever lightsaber he took with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't
1: actually know. Mm. Maybe the Hewing had the extra parts from, you know, just in case.
0: Well, a kyber crystal <clears throat> is there. It's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. There's some really cool episodes in the Clone Wars where, like, Ahsoka and Master Yoda take younglings to a cave to find their kyber crystals. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of this, like, rite of passage, personal experience. Like, it's not like, I chose the kyber. The kyber chose me, man. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Uh-huh. I, I, don't I don't know where he
1: got it though. So, well, I, maybe we're just meant to assume. I'm just, you know, I'm split ears mm-hmm. about it. But anyway, so there's that conversation. Sabine splits. Then we're outside with Sabine and Ahsoka, and they're like, your gamble paid off. And we have this quiet, warm moment. And Ahsoka speaks fondly of Anakin in a way, which inspires her to be there for Sabine. And you just want to, like, it's like a Folgers moment. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you see TIE fighters.
0: <laughs> yes, because every warm moment, Every sweet reunion is Mm -hmm. ruined by the fucking TIE fighters or the Empire Empire. or the Sith, you know. It it was very reminiscent of the breakup Mm -hmm. moment that Anakin and Ahsoka had at the Mm -hmm. end of the Clone Wars Mm -hmm. where she says the last time I saw him he was rushing off to save the Chancellor Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. have this very tender, warm reunion and then it's immediately interrupted by, you know, Coruscant's being attacked. We got to go right now. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> it just is funny to me that it's, it's very that star wars it's very star wars it's very much chilling, dramatic effect
1: you know yes. and then the rugs pulled out from underneath you yeah and sci-fiers so, are coming at you yeah but sabine took them out but their ship is dead in the water i mean i wrote that it's not in the water but like their ship is down yeah so how are they gonna get out And Morgan is, like, uber evil now. These are my notes. Where are we? For her giving up the map and going with the enemy willingly, and all the reasons that we hate Sabine. It was like, I love how the writers, they make her do all these things so you don't like her. But then in this last episode, they, like, gave her this personality makeover with a bow. And she comes out, like, the girl and She's All That with her glasses off coming down the stairs. And you're just like... I love Sabine. She's my favorite character now because she admits her faults. She admits her mm-hmm. wrongs. She is coming from a place of vulnerability and growth. I mean, she's lost everybody from the Purge of Mandalore, so she's mm-hmm. completely. She has no belonging. She has nowhere she belongs to other than the Jedi, which don't really, you know, that's not really a thing to have yeah. the group. So this episode for to me, Gate put Sabine. It righted all of her wrongs, but yes, it was so beautiful to it see was her adoption her redemption.
0: So another added layer of complexity, which I mm-hmm. will, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Some of the weapons used in the purge of Mandalore, Sabine helped design when she was at the Imperial Academy.
1: Ooh, that's and she, help.
0: she left because she found out what the weapons were going to be used for, that they could be used <sighs> um, to still impact somebody who was wearing Mandalorian armor. And so when she found that out,
1: she became disillusioned for the empire um side one side note about her sarah that i want to ask you and we can do this go on about this later Is who's taking care of her cat
0: she called rover <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah she this this episode brings sabine like all of her faults and all the things she does it puts it in context mm-hmm. and in a way that not only do you relate to it but you you almost feel emotional You know, this episode to me, I felt emotional a few times with her Mm -hmm. and what she was doing. You know, when she, and later in the episode, when she tells Ahsoka she's not alone, like that's huge to me. I mean, there are two things that in the human experience we have to do to feel safe. It's be authentic and belong to something. Mm -hmm. And usually people will... Throw away authenticity to belong to a group, or they'll throw away belonging to be authentic. And this is the struggle, right? I mean, I'm talking super basic primal needs to be a human being in the world. And Sabine, you see her being authentic, but struggling to belong. And this episode really explained all of those mistakes. I just, it was very beautiful to me to see the character grow.
0: Yeah, I I will say that part eight was
1: the Sabine that I had come to know and love very much in yeah. the Rebel series. And so yeah. it was nice to see yeah. her return. Yeah. That when people are going through something really hard and difficult, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna do things that you probably wouldn't normally do when your life is completely together. You Absolutely. Know, she, she loses excuse me, she loses everything and now she starting, you know, she gave away the map. She goes with the enemy willingly. She does all the things I'm like, I cannot believe this character. Are they serious? But then I think about all of the pain and struggle and I think about the times in my life where I felt most challenged, most tested, and made—and I made a lot of mistakes. I completely, I own that. Yes, I did not make the best life choices. And my journey has been for me to find redemption in that. So I felt I could relate to Sabine. And I was very happy with this part of the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm she's, she's good. We're good now. Sabine and I are cool. I would be, you, know, you can invite her. We can have beers together. Beautiful. I'll, I'll make that happen. <laughs> yeah, but because I, she doesn't leave. She doesn't leave anyone behind. She has these core beliefs that she, she, she shows by her actions. She's like found her tribe. She has. She's. She's found her tribe.
0: She's reunited with her tribe, and she is, I think, really understanding the scope, of, and the consequences of certain choices, like. Yeah. Now that she has had her family reunited and in a way, like had her emotional basal needs met, she's like, mm-hmm. okay, now I can involve myself in the bigger picture and, mm-hmm. and do what's right and mm-hmm. make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that moment mm-hmm. where Ahsoka says very clearly, "I no matter what happens, mm-hmm. I'm with you." Yeah, and Sabine knows that to be true, not only because of Ahsoka's words but because of Ahsoka's actions. Like Ahsoka traveled in the belly of a fucking star whale. To come and get you, girl, and help bring you home. There is no greater act of I'll stand by you than that.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And I like that she chose to stay with Ahsoka as well. Me too.
1: Me too. It was a really, Mm -hmm. really powerful moment. Sure. But yeah, so Thrawn prepares an attack. Ahsoka and Ezra ride off. Morgan sends out troops, sacrificial troops. And these stormtroopers, you know, the ones with the red, those, mm-hmm. they, they're they aware. They're, these volunteers, they know what they're about to get into.
0: Yes. W- which really speaks to the dedication that Thrawn had, the mm-hmm. loyalty of his troops. It was uh, a very similar loyalty to like Captain
1: Phasma. Yeah. We're going to go out and die and then we're going to resurrect you as zombies. Yes. And then you will live as the undead. It was actually really cool to watch, though.
0: Very cool. Very cool. It was such a great sequence. Uh, It was a little Mm -hmm. comical. Uh, There was the the music choice in that moment, sounded like very Danny Elfman, and the Night Troopers are like groaning and their eyes are glowing blue. And I'm like, this is
1: kind of funny. This was Halloween. Yeah, it did feel very (laughs) kind of comical. So then the ship is almost ready to get into the destroyer, and then we see Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra, they're going to the front door. And I'm like, oh my god, are they going like, to request permission to come aboard? That's how you get on <laughs> a, a ship, you know, you get up, and you, unless you're an officer, and then you say, I have permission to come aboard. Yeah, you're, and you're just I'm Harrison like, They're going to the front door, what are they going to do? Um, and Thrawn rains hellfire on them. And mm-hmm. the meanwhile, I write in my notes, where's Shinn and Balin? And Thrawn is watching all this happen. And then they go through the front door. Yes. And then the night troopers go after them. Yes. And, and then like- they fought them off. Like that was such a cool fight sequence. And I wrote down too soon, question mark. What do you mean too soon? Like they won too soon. They won that fight. They had, I mean, it was
0: uh, oh. Ezra, Ahsoka,
1: and they fought off. I don't know what was it thirty troopers,
0: something like that. Yeah, and and it was really cool to see Ahsoka's preparation as a warrior and as a leader oh, come out. Where she's so like, "Badass, fall back, draw
1: them out, Sabine, blasters." Like
0: she yeah, was giving these yeah. really, she was really leveraging everybody's strengths.
1: Yeah, and then and then they do that resurrection. Yes, and I oh loved that. How- so I what, the whole time I'm thinking because I see them on the ship, I'm like, "What's going to happen to Huyang and Shin and Balin?" Like I was worried that they're going to strand Hi-Yang. Hu right?
0: Yeah, I wasn't as worried about him. And here's why. He's a robot. He could feasibly travel through space for a, for much longer and withstand much different conditions than a human yeah. being could. So I I my thought was that the strategy was send the organic beings to jump yeah. on that ship that has light support systems. Leave me here, because I don't need life support systems to navigate this through space. Mm-hmm. Like, I can divert the power that would be used for life support to help me transverse at least to a point where you could come and pick
1: me up. Right. Right. I mean, we were like halfway in the episode, and I or a little over halfway, and so, you know, and we still don't see Shin and Balin. Mm-mm. Where are they? Yes. And then Ahsoka has a face-off with Morgan. Which was such
0: a battle sequence i what? love watching the, the two of them sequence. fight that
1: me too because
0: i remember in the mandalorian when she fought mm-hmm. morgan i was like what the fuck is this this is so amazing because it's this beautiful mm-hmm. like, dance dance battle. over this like on this water walkway like oh so gorgeous and i was like and what a great honor for rosario dawson to get to fight bruce lee's goddaughter
1: oh yeah that's so cool. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So um that fight sequence was really cool. It was really scary when Ezra and Sabine were fighting. Like I genuinely didn't know. I had genuine anxiety about them actually getting mm-hmm. off planet. I yeah, I was worried. I was like, is this actually yeah. gonna happen? Like right. how who's gonna go home? And I'm like, maybe they'll mm-hmm. be stranded. And that's just mm-hmm. the next the next few seasons that we have of mm-hmm. them living mm-hmm. on that planet and whatever mm-hmm. happens there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will happen, Ezra.
1: but Ezra, Ezra—they, you know, the leap of faith—that's what I called it. The, the, the leap of faith across uh, was just an incredible scene because he makes this jump, but it's not like three feet. We're talking like sixty feet, something mm-hmm. ridiculous, and uh, something he, moving boy, away. And he force jumps and not only does he force jump by himself, but he has a beam behind him and she helps him with the force make it over. And so he ends up there onto the ship and he does the best thing. You know, He he did exactly what I thought was he takes out a, a, a trooper and then I knew he was going to put on the uniform. They don't show it, but they show him dragging it. So you're susceptible that that might happen.
0: Yes. And it, that's also a little Easter egg to Rebels, uh, Ezra. Mm-hmm. And Kanan often donned Star Trooper, mm-hmm. Storm Star mm-hmm. Trooper, <laughs> <laughs> Storm Trooper armor. Oh. Yeah, and in this case, a Night Trooper armor. Yeah, um, as a way to, you know remain undercover Mm
1: -hmm. and so then he goes away and we don't know what's going to happen to ezra right but then we see ahsoka fighting morgan and morgan's telling her this thread about and you're going to die alone and then the one of the best sabine moments of the entire season sabine turns around you see sabine and she's like no no she won't you know yes you're not alone and i was like yes because that to me is one of the most important things when i qualities of someone you know you would want to serve or deploy with is someone who would not leave a man behind someone who's not going to take a shortcut and who's going to do the right thing and that's what she does in this moment that was a great fight sequence and they ended up so, so defeated morgan and then we had a back to the future moment when they jumped off and then the ship pulled up yes m- very delorean yeah
0: um and then they're trying to get to the star destroyer mm-hmm. and then Thrawn, my man Thrawn, yeah. he is such a cold, calculated motherfucker.
1: Yeah, he's horrible.
0: I love him. He's, yeah, he's oh, very smart. He's very smart. And he's a he, great I, villain. He's a great villain, and that's what I love about him. I'm like You are completely despicable, and yet yeah, I have terrible. so much respect for your brain because, damn, I'm more like Morgan. I'm more emotional. So- mm-hmm. Just Thrawn is, he's just fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. But when he's like, open a hailing frequency, I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he says, victory is mine today. Mm-hmm. Which is a classic Thrawn line. Then they zip off on out of there.
1: Yeah. yeah they and they make it off the planet. And yeah. we don't know what's going on with Ezra. Like no. we just know the Thrawn makes it off. Morgan's dead. Ahsoka Sabine and Hewing are on the planet with mm-hmm. the noti. And then I think one of the best parts, I think we talked about it when we did the Instagram Live, was the when we do see Ezra.
0: Yes. When he flies in on the Imperial shuttle. And I couldn't quite get a good look at the shuttle. I I wasn't sure if that was the shuttle that Sabine had mm-hmm. once painted. And mm-hmm. yeah, but then he comes out in the, in the night trooper armor. And Chopper mm-hmm. is like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Little Chopper. I love Chopper. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like going. Pa, 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 pa. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. And I didn't watch, I didn't see Rebels, and I didn't watch the Clone Wars. So that's something I'll be doing after now that the mm-hmm. soap is over. But you know, it was palpable the the emotion of the moment, the reunion, and I got real emotional. I
0: yeah, got yeah, so emotional. Was I was there. like, "Oh, Hera!" It's this very bittersweet moment because she knows it was back. Super great. She also knows that Sabine and Ahsoka are not with her, so she's probably Mm -hmm. very scared. Where are they? Mm -hmm. And she also knows, even more frighteningly, that Thrawn has returned. Because if Ezra has made it back, it is conceivable that Thrawn has made it back or knows of a way to get back.
1: It kind of, it sets the stage for season two. Yeah. You
0: know? And I really love that i love hearing that even as someone who hasn't consumed sort of like this the previous material or whatever okay. um that it still really impacted you emotionally and that you still really enjoyed it like that makes oh, my yeah. yeah and then oh, we have God. the very last scene yeah. the very last scene there well two of the
1: very last scenes uh, we see anakin oh it was like the end of um yeah Return of the jedi it was beautiful well it was very like he's watching He's there. So now that they're on the, now that they're on the, I can't say in the island, but they're on that planet. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've got he to help them. Mm-hmm. And then if Anakin's there through the force, he, will he open, will he start to communicate, you know, mm-hmm. or will it be, it was kind of like the end of Return of the Jedi, where you see them hanging out in their ethereal, you know, ghost being. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I, I, I saw Anakin. And I got really happy. I loved it. And um, it made me hopeful for season two. I have to wonder if
0: there is some sort of temple or something or if that was what Balin was looking at uh, that's going to help help Ahsoka and Sabine get home in some way. I don't know. We'll find out. So that leads me to the second ending part that I want to talk about, which is we see Mm. Ah, And he's just standing there. He's standing there in front of two of the Mortis gods. Um, yeah. The sister is not present. However, we do see a cameo of Morai, Mori, uh-huh. the beautiful mm. little owl who mm-hmm. is a sometimes companion to Ahsoka whenever in areas where the force is very strong. Uh, uh-huh. We see Morai pop up in a couple of episodes in The Clone Wars and in Rebels. Yeah, She's also at the top of my tattoo. She's the little owl up here. And oh, cool. she is meant to represent the daughter. And the okay. Mordis gods, there's the daughter, the father, and the son. The daughter represents the light, the son represents Mm -hmm. the dark, and the father represents balance. They do not refer to themselves as Mortis gods. They refer to themselves as force wielders who were very curious about the Chosen One, which is how they beckoned Anakin to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's called the Mortis arc in The Clone Wars. I'll send you those episodes. It's Mm -hmm. a three-episode arc. It's a great arc. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so he's standing on the hand of the father who is pointing in a direction to something glimmering off in the distance. And Amanda sent me this incredible article. It was published on Nerdist, and I will link it in the show notes.
1: And oh, it was written yeah.
0: by Michael Walsh, and it's titled An Ode to Ahsoka's Balin Skull and Ray Stevenson. Oh, rest
1: in peace, Ray Stevenson. Rest in peace.
0: And Michael Walsh um, is an incredible writer. Please read this yeah. piece. It's a really Beautiful great piece. piece. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, I, I pulled out a quote that I thought was really beautiful. It's beautiful. The quote I selected was rather than letting his lost faith define him, Balin instead seemingly let it focus him. He gave up on the ideals that had cost him everything and became a pragmatist. He became the galley's Machiavellian figure, a warrior who thought of war as evil, but necessary. Balin could kill new Republic soldiers without remorse, yet still honor a deal he made with a captured enemy. He was neither good nor evil, yet both at the same time. He was a man of contradictions who used them to form a new outlook on life. For Balin, straddled the line between the light and dark side of the Force. Only in the middle did he see a way to free everyone from suffering. And so... This analysis relates to the other points I made of everybody had very specific goals to bring about what they thought needed to happen. Sabine thought it was necessary for Ezra to return. Ahsoka thought it was necessary to bring an end to Thrawn. Morgan saw it necessary to bring the Sisters back to power on Dathomir. Thrawn sees it as necessary to, to bring a rise to the Empire. Balin sees it necessary as a way to end everyone's suffering. Shin, don't know what the fuck she sees it, but okay. Well, I also didn't think about it.
1: Yeah, I wonder, you know. I wonder what's going to happen to Shin and Balin's character for season two. You know, curious of where that takes them.
0: I think, well, Shin obviously is going to become a leader and start plotting her revenge, maybe. And Balin, I think, is going to have his own journey. I Ray Stevenson gave an incredible performance and created really one of the most interesting new characters. He, he really brought... Um,
1: Dave Filoni's vision to life, I feel. Yeah, I hope people you know check out that Nerdist post, and you know it was a great ending, a lot of you know a lot of emotions, a lot of action. Yeah, it was a great finale. I can't wait when I'm. I'm pretty sure I'll I announce a season to it so, soon. So you know, I'm. I'm just really excited to see all these new places and new things, and I'm really
0: excited to see more of these witches because I've always loved the witches of Dathomir. Like I I bring them up every
1: fucking episode. I love yeah, it. And that's where they end. They end at Dathomir. Yes. And so I, yeah, that's going to be really cool to see that Thrawn. You know, I am like, where's he going to go? I first thought, oh, is he going to go to Coruscant? I don't know why I thought that. But Then he ends in Dathomir. Yeah. And so maybe that's what all of those cry, they're, maybe they're cryo coffins or something with, you know, witches in hibernation and they're going to repopulate the planet. I maybe. don't know.
0: No, I know that in, um, on the planet Dathomir, the Night Sisters had, like I said, a very elaborate burial mm-hmm. rituals, and they were essentially buried in these pod things that sort of mm-hmm. hung off plants. One thing, another Easter egg that I, I don't know if it's an Easter egg, but a connection I want to say is that the Night Sisters were actually found. I don't know, founded, created, what the right word would be, by a an, a disgraced Jedi. Do you know about this? No. Uh so there's a female Jedi who was like essentially kicked out of the order and she landed on Dathomir and created the Night Sisters who started using the, the dark side of the force. And so I think cool. I, yeah. I was like, all right. So that's why the Night Sisters hate the Jedi, is because there's this long tradition and passed down yeah. more.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they're also they're all force wielders. So I imagine they kind of, you know, there's some friction against each other. Mm.
0: Yeah. I'm excited for the upcoming weeks. Um, we uh, are yeah. going to have uh, some outtakes released over the next couple of weeks until Blake yeah. and I record our episode on Captain Phasma. Mm-hmm. And then um, Amanda and I will be doing deep like, character studies and dives on things yeah. and tune in to also hear our 60 Second Obsessions uh, yeah. We'll keep talking about Loki and other things, yeah. and I'll probably get on the Loki bandwagon the same I got on the Elemental Oh, you're going to love
1: it. It's so good. <laughs> may the Force be with you. Yeah, may the Force be with you, Sarah.